Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and join with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. Good afternoon, everyone. How's it going today, Anthony? It's going great. We have a episode 11 topic that is derived from episode 7. So with episode 7, we talked about crash course on diagnosis, and we're going to elaborate on one of the topics that we touched upon briefly, but we're going to devote a whole show to it, and that is narcissism. And I came up with a title for episode 11, and the short version one, because the other one was too wordy, I'll go over that with you, but what we're going to go with is enough about me, now let's talk about me, narcissism. The longer version was Enough about how great I am. Now, you tell me about how great I am, but that was a bit too wordy. Yeah, we had to shorten a little bit, although we're still revealing that one, but I think it really encapsulates the essence of NPD. So we're going to start with our quotes for today. Okay. You want to go ahead with your quote? I'll go first. So my quote is, toxic people make you think you were holding a grudge when you were really holding a boundary. And that is from Mel Robbins. He's a motivational speaker. So your thoughts? My thoughts. Okay. Yeah, it gets twisted around when dealing with toxic people. I mean, we're speaking just generally. When people come into therapy and start being assertive and doing things differently, I always remind them, people in your life, most likely the toxic ones in your life, are not going to like you holding a boundary. They're going to see that you are in their own way. They're going to think and see that you are being mean, you're holding a grudge, how dare you? And I try to prepare people for that. And that just means you're doing something right because the people in your life who care about you will notice that you are setting boundaries and being assertive where toxic people will not like it, you know? Yeah, I look at it as, you know, toxic people in general and people with NPD are guilty of this. They're appalled at you for having self-respect. It's yeah. Like how, how dare you right. have, have boundaries, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to control you. Absolutely. Which leads to my quote okay. for today. Yes. So this one's somewhat <laughs> humorous, but I, I like it. How many narcissists does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They don't use light bulbs. They use gaslighting. And this is anonymous. Unfortunately, the author cannot get credit for this. So what do you think of this quote? So first of all, I was waiting for you to pause so I can ask how many, but you didn't give me oh, that. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I That's ruined okay. it. Yeah. So this is... Gaslighting is a term that is new to me in the last couple of years. It was brought to my attention that, you know, oh, they're just gaslighting you. And I'm like, what, what is that? What, what do you mean gaslighting? Well, they're, well, actually, it'd be better if you give, give the definition, but it's basically one of the many, many tools or weapons that mm-hmm. narcissists have at their disposal is mm-hmm. setting you off, so to speak. And it's, it's called mm-hmm. gaslighting. So mm-hmm. Dr. Rafa, what is your clinical definition of gaslighting? All right. Well, it's used very loosely and it's the origins is from a movie in the 1930s. It might have been called Gaslighting. I forget off the top of my head where the person makes you feel like you're the crazy one. So they may provoke you or antagonize you so much that you explode in a warranted emotional response. And then they say that you are crazy, you're nuts. The man in the movie was tricking the woman, I think it was his wife, into believing that she was crazy and imagining things, flickering the lights, taking things and moving them. So then she was the one that thought she was crazy. And that's what happens with gaslighting. It's very dangerous and very toxic, and it can be very subtle in a relationship. And the person in it doesn't realize that they're being gaslit. It takes a long time, perhaps years, to develop insight into that. 
And yeah, it's a powerful tool. Now, again, people can use this that are not narcissists, although it is probably the number one tool that an NPD uses. All right. And you know what? I just always trying to think of fresh ideas for the show because, you know, gaslighting, some people know it very well. I, it's new to me. I know what it is now, obviously, but maybe we can devote a show down the road on just phrases or terms that, you know, we can go back and forth. I can come up with some for you. You can come up with some with me Mm -hmm. that are, you know, that deal with psychology that are maybe new, that are only understood in the urban dictionary and maybe aren't necessarily... Like explaining those terms that people just use incorrectly. Because there's another one that we both just learned recently and Mm -hmm. it's what you, it's a good thing to do or it's a weapon against narcissism and that's called, and we'll get to it later, I guess. Gray rock? I think it's, it's either gray rock or gray stoning. Let me double check on that. But yeah, so that could be a fun idea for a show down the road. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great idea. So we'll get back to that. That's an important technique. Indeed, you're right. Gray rocking. All right. Now our questions are my questions. Number one, just to review, because this comes from episode seven, what is narcissism? So the term is used very loosely, especially in today's society. Oh, she or he's so narcissistic. And we all have narcissistic traits and tendencies. We have egocentricity. It's a big difference between NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, which is a mental disorder, than being narcissistic, you know, as far as people being that way. The origin is actually from Greek mythology. Funny story of Narcissus. I always say that wrong. Narcissus. He loved himself so much. He admired himself constantly and he fell. He was looking at himself in a pool of water or a pond and he, I don't know if he was hugging or kissing himself or whatever, but he fell in to the water and he died because ultimately he loved himself so much it led to his death. So it was like his his weakness or his, his weapon against himself. In 1898, Havelock Ellis termed, you know, used the term narcissistic personality, I don't know, personality disorder. And then 1968, it was included officially in the DSM. And what it is, is a preoccupation with exaggerated feelings of self-importance, craving admiration and lack of empathy. Now, by the way, this gets in the way of functioning. It isn't just the, this person brags at the office party. Way more pathological than that. I want to stress that. Right. So, because when people hear more about narcissism, they may think to themselves, am I a narcissist? Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole nother level of yeah. self-worth or yeah. self-absorption. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I think uh, I may have mentioned to you, if you're asking yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> listeners out there, am I narcissistic? You're not narcissistic because a narcissist, dare I say, never most likely will not ask themselves. And in fact, if you try to tell someone with NPD they have NPD, they will respond in a variety of ways. One is they deny it. Two is if I am, you are too. Or no, I'm not, you are. So uh, no self-awareness, no insight. Prognosis is very, very poor for this disorder. It's pervasive. It's lifelong. It does not go away. They do not go to therapy. And if they do, they drop out. They do not want to be on the therapist's couch, subject to introspection because of their deep-rooted shame and their inferiority complex. And they overcompensate by feelings of superiority. So again, very different. Very, very, you know, sad, I guess, so to speak. But they don't get help. They do come across our plate, though, in therapy. Yeah. They're short-lived often. Okay. And that touches on my next question, which was characteristics of someone with 
NPD. Are there signs, say, if there's a person in your life, I mean, obviously, if it's a coworker or your boss, obviously, you know, there's not much you can do about those people, but other people in your lives, like people who are friends or new friends, or, or maybe, you know, you're getting into a new relationship with somebody and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that this person isn't necessarily a narcissist. So what are some things, say, you know, you go on a couple first dates, what are some things that you can look at maybe to, you know, as an armchair therapist of sorts, and I always use that word, but (laughs) that's what I'm hoping we all become as a poor man's psychologist to learn from, you know, you and just, you know, become more, more self-aware. So what are some things that we can look at? Okay. Well, sometimes it's hard to know in the beginning because there's a bunch of different types of narcissists. A seductive type is really difficult to resist on a first date because they, you know, put you on a pedestal. They make you feel like you're on top of the world and that feeds our own narcissism. And that could just be somebody who really just... Like Prince Charming or Princess Charming or whatever. Right. But I mean, but like you said, like there's also just maybe that's that person when you hear all these wonderful things about you and you finally somebody sees that i thought that all this time too i can't believe but it could yeah, just be but it could be genuine i mean that's yeah, just yeah. it so it's tough it's very tough because initially that's kind of what you do when you're falling in love and you're dating it's like you see the the positives in the other person you compliment the other person you wear a mask but i guess it would be this preoccupation with the way that they're viewed by others they exaggerate accomplishments even just mediocre ones they can present as vain and arrogant one thing in a I've seen patients, usually I see the codependent person that's, you know, in a relationship with a narcissist or the child. And if they go out on a date, the, my first sign is, wow, they'll say, he or she never asked me about my life. Like all they did was just talk about their life. The know-it-all narcissist likes to do that. Mm-hmm. The self-righteous narcissist likes to do that. You know, not ask about your feelings because remember, they have limited or no empathy. Or if you do crowbar in something in the conversation finally, and instead of maybe asking you a follow-up question or, you know, inquiring more in- information, you know, like you say something about, oh yes, you know, you did something at work and it's, oh, th- that reminds me of what I did at work. And, you know, like my promotion, you know, back in the day or something, and you're like, okay, we're back to you now. Right, right. And they're special and unique. And the other thing that I, I try to ask people is, especially if they're dating, is ask about their family history. Like what's going on with their family? What's their relationship like with people in their lives? Do they have friends? And oftentimes they have a poor relationship with their family. They'll say that's strange because of the family member's mm-hmm. fault. Right. Because narcissists project, don't take any responsibility for their actions and blame everybody else. They can often be the victim and the martyr. Uh, woe is me. Uh, my family abandoned me. And that's only part of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe there's more to it, you know? Okay. So those are some signs, I guess, that you would uh, maybe notice right off the bat. The other ones are very covert. They sound like very dangerous people in the sense that they're all around us and we don't know who they are. It's almost like it's, um, you know... Yeah. Uh, the, the Cold War, and we don't know who the Russian spies are, or you know, like in, in, in uh-huh. you know who's no who's incognito. Oh yeah, and that's why you know I know this is might be not what everyone believes, but I'm gonna stand by this statement. I believe that is way more pathological than schizophrenia. With schizophrenia, people are often medicated. They're in the system. They're obviously, you know, delusional. These NPD individuals are like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like they have these delusions that they come up with. They could be cult leaders for sure. They're very charming. And people are in a toxic relationship and that of narcissistic abuse and not even realize it. And it's like, you know, it takes years to notice that this is what this person is about. And also one other sign I just remember is friends and family might be like, are you sure you want to date this person? Are you, are you sure you want to marry this person? 
That's kind of a sign too. Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's kind of kidding, haha. But I'm yeah. kind of trying to tell you. Uh, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, they they might see the writing on the wall, but when you're in it, you're so hooked into that brainwashing and delusion that this person is amazing that um, you don't see it. I just got a flashback. If anybody else remembers, do you remember the, there's an old TV show on NBC? I don't know why I remember. It was on NBC and it was the and it was about these aliens. Oh yeah. And you didn't know who was an alien, and then when they when their skin would come off, they were green. Yeah, but they were human. They were in human form. Oh my gosh. So it's kind of like that. You know, you you don't know who who the narcissists are, and then they uncover themselves eventually. But it takes a long time for you to realize it because they are so good at you know just yeah. Well, they can perform socially appropriate. They can act very socially appropriate. They wear a mask in front of others, Mm -hmm. and then behind closed doors with their significant other or their children, you know, they appear very different, and you can see their their true nature. Now, remember, underneath this are deep feelings of shame and insecurity Mm -hmm. that they will never reveal, and they fight like hell to never let anybody see that side of them. All right. So how does one develop NPD? So the theory in most psychology, psychological disorders, is a combination of genetics and family of origin and relationship with parents. And it can go one of two ways generally. It could be the golden child of the family. This kid is spoiled, entitled, enabled by the parents, put on the pedestal. What comes to mind is Tiger Woods. You know, his dad did that to him, put him on this pedestal. So he apparently was narcissistic. The other coin is that there could be abuse or neglect, emotional or, you know, physical neglect, I guess, by a child. Or a child could perceive the abandonment or neglect from the parents, even if they really weren't. Their belief system and their cognitive model is that of neglect. So it could go either way. We can all catch ourselves in conversation at times. I think maybe some people already have when you when we're talking about this. And I know I have where, you know, and again, like you said, I if you're questioning this, you're not a narcissist, but that doesn't mean we don't all have narcissistic tendencies at times. Mm-hmm. Like we are have guilty of sounding like a narcissist. Oh yeah. But yeah, we all want just, attention. Right. We all like to be on, you know, get you know, adored and admired. The difference is humble, you know, like we could be humbled and we can maybe admit mistakes and we can have a discussion about our part of the problem and not project onto everyone else, as well as empathy. We can see someone else's point of view. Is this a good mm-hmm. sign? I just thought of this. So somebody who, and again, you, if you're really with close friends, you know, close a stranger that you don't know very well takes a jab at you with a joke mm-hmm. at your expense, mm-hmm. you might take offense to it because you're like, oh, hey, I don't know you, man. Like, but if it's like somebody, like a childhood friend or something, like I know I've got friends from back in the day and like we can just, you know, we can rattle each other's cage or, or and take the joke. Like, I mean, so if somebody can't take a joke or be the brunt of a joke, that's a good sign that they're maybe a narcissist. Yeah. So I, I've used this term before. It's usually they explode into a rage over a seemingly minor event. Like it might be a tirade for hours about something like that, like a joke, and it might just be on and on and on about a diet. They obsess on it. They obsess on it. They ruminate on it where a healthy individual will get over it, will reframe their thinking, they'll have distress tolerance and calm down. NPD individuals just are heightened with that and they use that to fuel their fire for vindictiveness. They can be bullying and vindictive and then that just furthers their plight of martyrdom. Like, oh gosh, this person made fun of me. I can't believe it. And you being in that relationship with that person has to hear this 
forever, <laughs> for years to come, you hear the same story over and over. So that is a sign. Extreme jealousy, I wanted to mention in a relationship too. That can be in lots of them, but with a narcissist, they can be very controlling and very jealous and possessive as well. They're not, maybe, if you have good news, they are looking to, you know, one-up you or make your good news not seem so good or like rain on your parade be constantly. or Be uh, critical, hypercritical, over, yeah, over competitive. I think I remember reading this Jordan Peterson's book. He talks about how, you know, choose your friends wisely. And he, and he says, make sure your friends are happy with your success. Like they, they want to lift you up and they're like, they're not looking to be jealous or, or yeah, try to one up you like, you know, oh, well, you know, oh, that sounds great. You know, then you're almost making as much money as me. And it's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, what, yeah. why can't you just be happy for me oh, yeah. for my promotion? Or, you know, like, mm-hmm. listen, I got good news today. Like, let's celebrate me today because I got some good news. Yeah, they feel threatened by it. They usually want to be the most important person in the room. They may go on and on about themselves. So that's a sign. So speaking of books, the one, I have a bunch of books on narcissism that I've read and I'm rereading. Mm-hmm. There's one called The Narcissist You Know, written by Joseph Burgo, PhD. Defending Yourself Against extreme narcissists. So he differentiates different subtypes. We kind of touched on it and these make sense, I guess. I think there's a blend, but the bullying type, the seductive type, the self-righteous type, I'm right, you're wrong. The vindictive type is very close to the bullying as well as the, on the end of the continuum, like uh, antisocial personality disorder. Grandiose type, they have the inflated self-esteem, the know-it-all we mentioned, telling others what to do, name dropping, you know, making stories about them when you talk about your life is what we're saying. Um, so they, I think there's a blend. I've met people where they've had a blend of those characteristics, but this man, you know, in his practice, I imagine just kind of put him into subtypes because we like categories of people. Okay, so what are some do's and don'ts mm-hmm. with people with NPD? Let's start with the don'ts. Okay, yeah. Right. So there's this idea that you have to understand this person is not going to change. You cannot rescue them. You cannot change them no matter what you think or what, you know, you believe to be true. They're not going to change. It's pervasive. And again, like I said, they have very limited empathy. So you're going to just be in wheels. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. That is because even drug addicts can seek help and clean. I mean, but this is like worse than maybe being on heroin because it's just like not, they are not going to change. They're their own worst enemy. They're not going to change. They're so important. Because what you need in therapy is introspection and dealing with your demons, your shame demons, dealing with what's inside. And these individuals refuse to do that. So how are they going to get help? They make excuses for the world. They challenge the therapist. No matter what degree you've had, I've had people do that. So it's really sad. You want to have empathy to a degree, but still be assertive. So you want to make sure you do not engage and retaliate that gray rocking we talked about. Okay, just... You don't respond. You just sit there. It may piss them off more. (laughs) Yeah, but, but... But... then it doesn't become about you because what happens is if you respond to an accusation, you know, now the focus is on you and the focus is off of them. They want attention. They don't care how they're getting it. And they, they want and something you, out of you. They want a response. Correct. Right. So you want to disengage. Okay. You may have to physically leave the room, yeah. physically leave the office or the house. No good for you to engage with them. Nothing good will come out of it. You want to defend yourself. No, 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 no. Or if they're seductive narcissists, they'll emotionally manipulate you. I'm, I'm sorry. And then I'll never do it again. 
again and repeat the cycle just right. to get in the I'll tell you what you want to hear at that moment just to right. get you later. Right. So definitely don't do that. My number one go-to is go to therapy. Also with a seductive narcissist, even though you, you like hearing all that greatness about you, you want to be modest and be humble. People like this become very intoxicating and you become codependent on them. So like I said, go to therapy, confront your own insecurity and shame and deal with what your options may be. If you choose to stay in this relationship, you have to really set boundaries and limits and really lower your expectations with that person. You may have to have a safety plan if they're dangerous. What's really tricky is if uh, you're a child of a parent with narcissistic personality disorder. And I've worked with a lot of these individuals. One thing I tell about tell these adult children or even children, let go of the hope and belief that your parent is going to be different. They have to grieve the parent that they didn't have. They're not going to be that accepting parent. It's not unconditional love. It's conditional love. And then they may have to set limits and cut off the relationship. I've had adult children have to not have grandma in their life because grandma's toxic to grandchildren. So. Yeah. Or just understand they're, they're not going to be there like you want them to be. But whatever they right. can offer, accept I it. guess accept it, take it for That's what it is. Give. That's all. That's all they can give that they're not going to be this type of parent or grandparent. You may only be able to have limited conversations for about 20 minutes on the phone once a week. I have people define specific goals. All right. Well, I want to have a relationship with my parent. I'm not ready to cut them out. All right, it's a value of yours. Well, what does that look like to you? Well, that means I have a lunch date once a month. All right, and I usually recommend go to a public place. Don't have them to your house because they may stay. Then you're in control. Then you can say, Mom, I'm going to lunch with you. I'm leaving in 30 minutes or half an hour, an hour. Put things on your term mm -hmm. and as much as you can control in the situation. So the do's, again, they got to correspond. Don't do this, do this, whatever. But mm, Take care of yourself. Make sure that you get perspective on your life, developing your own identity and your self-esteem, definitely getting help. Don't isolate. Talk to friends and family. You really don't want to be on your own with this. Don't hold secrets about what's going but, on. But if it's not, if it's somebody... The boss, you may have to quit your job. Well, yeah, but if it's if it's somebody who's just an acquaintance or a friend, just get get away from them. And, you know, if you're not in a relationship with this person already, mm -hmm. if you're not related to this person, like you said, if it's their, your boss, if it's a co-worker, you can avoid them to an extent to as an extent. best you can. Yeah. But if it's like a new person who wants to be your friend and then you're just realizing this, mm -hmm. well... You know, less addition by subtraction. Sure. I've cut people out of my life. And also, you have to be okay with doing that. You know, like we kind of going back to our quote, you have to be okay with someone being mad at you. You have to be okay with the person spreading rumors maybe about you that you're so mean or you're so terrible, trying to destroy your reputation if they're the vindictive type. You have to be okay with that and sit with that uncomfortableness mm -hmm. and know the long game is that you're protecting yourself. That's mind over matter. You don't mind because they don't matter. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Yeah. I have a game. Yeah. I want to play a game. Uh -huh. And it's a tournament of narcissists. Ooh, okay. And we're going to have eight contenders and we're it's you know, they're in brackets. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to pair the two narcissists in um you know in, <laughs> And, and, and who each, wins with being and who wins and who who wins the tournament? This is the tournament of narcissism or NPD <laughs> NPD tournament. So so those playing along and you can you know uh, disagree and that's always fun to, to play along. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see where Doctor Rafa lands here. So um, we have and our contenders are Donald Trump, Alexander the Great, Howard Stern, Madonna, Henry the Eighth, Kim Kardashian, Napoleon. And Kanye West. So they're all different types of narcissists. I just want to put that out there, different subtypes. And I don't know if I mentioned before that narcissism is seen on a continuum, kind of like a spectrum of pervasiveness. So just keep that in mind as I read them. There's covert, more covert, and more overt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who's who's up? So the first game here, the first round, we have Donald Trump versus Alexander the Great. Oh gosh, that's so terrible. Now this is my forte with history a little bit, even though. Dr. So educate Rath- me a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you heard of the guy. He was actually he was a disciple, or his tutor was Aristotle. And and the best way, the way I always remember that in psychology or so, uh, philosophy class was um, SPA. Uh, I made up an acronym to remember Socrates. Taught Plato, Plato taught Aristotle, and then Aristotle taught the other A, Alexander the Great. So it's Spa Ah Ah, and he was a cult-like figure. He just dominated. He never lost a battle. He was just all about personal ambition, personal glory. His army was loyal and worshipped him, and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And he did not care about the fallen generals or their families who lost their father or son, you know, of all the, the casualties in all of the wars that, and he just kept going and going and going and no empathy for the fallen mm-hmm. or their families. And then Donald Trump, I'm pretty sure you heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, so, the, so compare the two and tell me who would you consider to be the greater of the two narcissists? <laughs> all right. Well, Donald Trump was mentioned in this book, The Narcissist, you know, prior to him being the president. And he is a lot of grandiose type, the bullying type, potentially vindictive. So I want to say, let me ask this question first. Did Alexander the Great kill people by his own hand? Um, if you disobeyed an order... And, and this is, you know, militarily speaking, I would think so. I'd have to research that a little bit more. But that would be the only case I would see him doing. He wasn't like, you know, he did it for like, you know, he wasn't like Caligula where he's just like, ah, you know, uh, I just feel like killing a couple people today because I'm bored, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, he's on that list. Okay. All right. You know so, what, Caligula? Would have, oh, 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 well, he, well, okay, maybe the next round, the next game, I'll put him on the short list. Yeah. All right. So listen, so my thinking on this is Alexander the Great, only because he existed during a time where there wasn't any checks and balances. Donald Trump was the executive branch, obviously, of you know today's society. Mm-hmm. So he had power, but he also had to be checked by you know Congress. So there was some restraints put on him as far as executing any bullying or vindictive behavior. Alexander the Great had a whole army, you know, and he could pretty much do whatever he wanted back then. I would, yeah. So I would say he was is, more dangerous. So this is kind of weird because yeah. if Alexander, I mean, I, again, it, it's hard. It's like, it's just like the argument and, the, uh, you know, a lot of people listening can maybe relate to this if you're into sports, you know, you always, how are you going to compare Mike Trout to Mickey Mantle? Okay. Well, the pitching today compared to, I mean, so it's just like. It's a tough comparison. It, right. I'm going by violence, I guess, and, and, and antisocial tendencies. Okay. So I would say very close. They could have been tied to a degree, but I would say Alexander the Great would win round one. Well, I would say if Alexander the Great were alive today, <laughs> I, like like most people from even 50 years ago, today's society history you know, has shown us, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you were like that. It's like, well, yeah, this is the decade I lived in and this it is was. how it was. You know? And also he kind of wins by his name, Alexander the Great. Isn't that narcissistic in and of itself? I don't <laughs> think he, he didn't give himself that nickname, no. but I'm sure he did not dismiss it. Oh, or was, no, 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 not me. And it's like, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. The greatest, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, Great. Alexander, uh, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I think that's a big upset, but only because, well, just Trump's just more, He's I have to be reminded. Yeah. He's persuasive and influential in a different way. Yeah. I have to be reminded on who Alexander the Great was. And then, but because Donald's always, there's always news about Donald. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything about Alexander the Great recently in, in, yeah, in, in you know, yeah exactly. By fire. Yeah. 
Okay, so maybe maybe that's the reason why I think it's such an upset. Okay. Because we didn't live during that. Time. Right, sure. If I was there, I'd be like, oh, no. You know. <laughs> right. Um, all right, so next um, we have Henry VIII versus Kim Kardashian. Now, Henry VIII always gets a bum rap. He was married six times, and they say, oh, Henry VIII, he's a terrible person. He killed all of his wives. Listen, he only killed two of them, okay? So let's just relax. Not that bad. Too. Right? You know, two out of six. You know, when he was young, very young, a young, handsome, arrogant, athletic, great horseback rider, great soldier. He did not even want to be king. His brother was earmarked, but then his brother died shortly after his marriage. Actually, in Game of Thrones, they borrow oh, for Joffrey. a lot of... Yeah, that's... I mean, Joffrey dies, and then Tommen takes over and mm -hmm. marries Marjorie, I think her name was, and mm -hmm. you know that was his brother's wife, technically, although they didn't consummate the marriage on the show. Okay, don't get me into history. Yeah, we'll come that, that, here's a tangent we need to cut off right away. So anyway, yes, very, very arrogant, very self-serving in every way. Very gluttonous. And then, yes, he just, um, after, I think, wife number three or four, he just let himself go. He just didn't care anymore. Couldn't even, like, wipe his backside. He got the gout. And his last wife was more of a nurse yeah. than a wife. It was more like just like a caregiver. Very unilateral relationship, right? Just taking care of him. Actually, that was the one wife, Catherine Parr, yeah, would yeah. actually sass him. And I guess he humbled in his old age and kind of mm. tolerated it because I guess he, I maybe respected her because it's like... Because he was disgusting. Well, well, no, and she actually challenged like opinions or... or maybe he respected it. And also it's like, listen, I wipe your backside. Don't give me any crap. You yeah, know. yeah. Don't, her. yeah. And yeah, so um, there's Kim Kardashian, which... You know, well, <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going current to, you know, yeah, it seems like centuries past, you know, it's a tough match here, but that's all right. All right. So Kim Kardashian is the grandiose type. I would say Henry VIII is probably a mix to grandiosity. I don't, I don't believe Kim killed anybody from what yeah, I, you know. I don't think that he or she beheaded anyone. She is more of the grandiose. Look at me. I want attention, doing things to gain attention in the public eye. I don't recall her, any stories of her bullying, although what happens behind closed doors, we don't know. So I'm going to go with Henry VIII on right. the same logic that mm -hmm. he killed people right. because well, of his vindictiveness and, and, you know. And there's this, I mean, so you take a look at the two winners so far. I mean, they're both royalty. Yeah. So there's something in that. Oh, they're, they're literally yeah. the, gold, the golden children in their <laughs> yeah. family. You know, they've, so, they yeah. have this, this, they have this power. Um, they have actual know, power. The, the yeah. Divine right and this yeah. entitlement. Um, you know, and okay. Next up, we have Howard Stern and Madonna, both current. Current. Right. So, and so both still with us. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as popular as either one used to be. True. They they do share that in common. Mm -hmm. All right. So Madonna is known to be the seductive type. Obviously, look at me. You know, with her her glory days, um, she was noted in this book. The narcissist, you know, is the seductive type. And Howard Stern, although he could kind of be seductive, he was definitely more, in my opinion, more of the grandiose type, more, again, he didn't kill anybody, neither of them did, so they have that going for him. But I say as far as worse, being exploitative, self-absorbed, emotionally manipulative, I would say Howard Stern. I, I, I think his wife's ex-wives would agree. Well, well no, he only, only has one ex-wife so okay. far, but uh -huh. who knows what's going to happen with Beth. And... Like, he exploited people on air. I mean, that's just got, it. I mean, Madonna left. didn't have a show where she let you she in. Mean. So, yeah. 
but, but that's just it. I don't, I don't think I know enough about Madonna, but I mean, but what I do know about, because I'm a big, you know, was a big Howard Stern listener. I don't listen anymore. I listened to the old shows when they were a lot of great characters that are people that he, personalities that he had on with him that they would intermesh with him by himself. It's not very entertaining. And, and you know, so. And he was mean. And granted, we don't know about Madonna too. I mean, right. Usually the seductive ones, like they just turn on their charm and it, it seems like it's least pathological, I guess. Howard Stern, I thought, was cruel and mean for his own his own ratings. And if, his you, own if you left his show and you failed, he was gleeful. He was just right. so happy about that. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, that's mean. That, that says a lot right there. That's bullying and vindictive, so I'd say he wins that one. Okay, okay. And now, finally, Napoleon versus Kanye West. And we have two different time periods, wow. obviously. Tough one there, because both have a Napoleon complex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Napoleon killed people, <laughs> right? This um, okay. I know he commanded. He, he, did, uh, he did not just... He was a I short mean, man. Yeah, he, was <laughs> not, he did not execute for the sake of execute. I think what his biggest sin was, I mean, he was guilty of hubris. He thought he can go and march into Russia. You don't do that. <laughs> Hitler didn't learn from him his mistake. But yeah, he could have been. I mean, again, there's still debates on is he a hero or is he a villain in French history, in European history? And, and there's a debate on that. There, you could look at it both both sides. But he did bully. He did take over countries. He did. I mean, there was no genocide or anything involved. So, you know, that comparison to Hitler was just from attacking Russia. Mm-hmm. He was self-absorbed. Very was self-absorbed. He was vindictive, I mm-hmm. imagine. He exploded into rage, I imagine, right? Okay. So Kanye, as we know, is funny enough how he and Kim got together. Sometimes narcissists find each other and feed off of each other. I find his, his narcissism entertaining, it as, is entertaining. As, as a goof. Yeah, like, it it's is, just it's, like... It is entertaining. <laughs> you know, yeah. The fact yeah. that he takes himself that seriously yeah. is amusing. It seems like it's more comedic. It's grandiose, obviously. I don't think he's trying to be funny. I think, well, he believes there's delusions about himself being akin to God, correct? Didn't he say that? Yeah, I think so. So that's pretty grandiose, I'd say. Uh, Perhaps seductive, don't know. But I would say, again, going with the historical figure, I would say Napoleon. Yes, yes, I would agree. All right, so here we have... Historical um, people left. Yeah, three out of the four. So in the semifinals, Alexander the Great versus Howard Stern. All right, so same logic. Howard Stern, again, he was bullying and vindictive, although he didn't, you know, engage in wars. He had his mouth <laughs> that he ran. I bet you, though, people. if he were in that time period, and if he were... Oh, you think if he had the power, Oh, I could see him being like Alexander the Great if he did run an army, yeah. and he would say, I don't he care. Just in a studio. I, yeah, I don't care. We're going to keep marching. I don't care. You haven't seen your family in a couple years. You know, it's all about me, and it's my brand and but yeah so if he had the means you're saying he would monopolize upon those means and he would execute that power if he had it beyond the studio and the headphones zero empathy Zero well, empathy. For sure. Yeah. You know. All right. All right so but- that's tough, but I'm going to have to go with historical facts that Alexander the Great was definitely meaner. He hurt people. He exploited people in a very different way. Instead of embarrassing or shaming people, he you know, murdered people. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to go with it. Okay. And then other semifinal, we have Henry VIII versus Napoleon. Oh, goodness gracious. Napoleon never killed any of his wives. I know. I, I will was, say I was, that. I was, going, I was actually going to go with Henry VIII because we know that he's manipulated his wives. He was married twice. Yeah, he beheaded two. Oh, no, oh, no. Napoleon was married twice. Henry VIII was married six times and beheaded two of them. I'm going to go with Henry VIII. Napoleon 
Napoleon may or may not have beheaded his wives or murdered them. We don't right. know <laughs> historically. But it's a tough call because Napoleon, you know, again, was in the military, right? Henry VIII wasn't. Although he... Well, he, I mean, he, I think he did. He commanded. He commanded, but that's just it. Like, when there was peacetime, Henry VIII would enjoy the peace where Napoleon was, like, Morning. looking for just ambition personified. Like, okay, what's next? Instead yeah. of just, hey, rest on your laurels. Just yeah. kick back, relax, roll over what you have. Like and, just and enjoy, yeah, enjoy the fruits of your labor. He can't do that. Again, he always has to prove himself. Napoleonic complex. Well, they both had that in common, but I still want to go with he killed his wife. Henry VIII killed his wife. Yeah. So we're going to go with the murderer so. Yeah. wins. Okay, so <laughs> here we are in the finals. Henry VIII versus Alexander the Great. This is going to be tough oh, for you. Gosh. I don't know where you're going to go because... All right, tell me something that one did that was more evil than the other. How about that? We'll go with the evilness of these guys. And you, you, can, Henry, you can weigh in on I, your Again, I don't know as enough about Alexander the Great, but I know for a fact Henry VIII, when he did behead Anne Boleyn, it was on trumped-up charges because he wanted a boy. Anne yeah. Boleyn promised him a boy. Obviously, she knew she couldn't keep that promise, but hey, it was, it, it was, you know, it broke up the marriage and made her queen. Now, again, she was no saint. However, she doesn't deserve to be beheaded. And then what they did was, I don't know if this was under Henry's watch or not, or if he, but it, it happened under his watch. He allowed it, I guess, is that they accused Anne Boleyn of fornicating with, I think, family members, her brother. Oh, I don't think yeah. it was her. Uh, yeah, this. it was. Yeah, that or, the or, or, so it was. The yeah, it was a tutor. Um, no, actually, no, I'm getting confused. I'm sorry. That was a, no, I'm sorry. That was more Marie Antoinette when they accused her of sexual uh, consorting, consorting mm-hmm. with her son. And she said, listen, you're not doing that. So no, I'm sorry. Um, But, you know. All right. So based on that knowledge, I'm still going to go with Henry VIII yeah. because yeah. he murdered his loved ones too, too, or his wives too or much. people like yeah that's pretty heinous I'd say it's one thing to well, be mean <laughs> to I your, mean that, well, back to then, your ex-wife or your wife but it's they, not they, murder it was not I said, okay I'm gonna get a lot of stuff <laughs> it was not easy to get a divorce or annulment uh, I mean he tried the getting annulled by his first wife because he believed that the he, church and God was offered. punishing him yeah. for marrying his sister-in-law that's why he doesn't have a boy. So he just wanted yeah, to, yeah. he wanted to divorce her and, and get the marriage annulled. And right. it, the Catholic church was what not playing ball. So then that's oh, yeah. when so he, he took it into his own hands. Yeah. That's when he changed. Wife. Yeah. Changed. The, he's like, well, <laughs> when I'll, in doubt, just kill your wife. Okay. Well, well, no, no, no. That one he didn't kill. That one, he changed the religion. We're going to go oh, with it. Yeah. We're going to call it the Anglican church. It's still a Catholic church and all of its, he uh, was just very, very you know, ambitious and persistent and relentless with the, I need to not be married to these, these women anymore. So, right. and the fact that it wasn't just once, it was six times. <laughs> so well, I'm, I'm yeah, going to well, say, and, he, well, and again, he, this is, this is, and he was, I know the last wife was his sister. Well, no, no, but, but then the, the other one that he killed, this is when during his midlife crisis, when he was, I think maybe pushing 50 and he married, oh, um, a young, you know, uh, gorgeous 20-something-year-old. And then she cheated on him. She was cheating on him. And he beheaded her. And then I think he went after the guy who was, oh, really? you know, and then also... I th- like I, killed him? Or? Yeah. I want to say maybe Jeez. members of his family. I'm not 100% sure yet. So, wow. yeah, like, again, that's talk pretty, about an ego. That's pretty, Yeah, it's, again, it's all the shame. You embarrassed me, mm-hmm. you shamed me, right. and I'm going to go to this. Now, meanwhile, he does whatever he wants on the side, but that's oh, just what yeah. kings did back then. Well, yeah, kings yeah. did that because he had that right. Right, yeah, because double standard. Yeah. Okay, so I would say he wins the crown for being... Yes. Okay. I would say he, uh, honestly, he probably fits more antisocial personality disorder, but it's fine because there's a fine line between NPD and APD. All right. So, so he, he is... He's our winner. The, uh, yes, he's, he's the champion still, narcissist. Still, in all this time that we know of, in 2021, he still wins. 
Okay. <laughs> in our battle. All right. All right. So can we summarize? So what have we learned today? Well, I've learned that narcissism or people with NPD just get out, avoid. Become a gray rock. Gray rock. When you're going through those moments, just yes, mm-hmm, okay. Like, like answer you, without really answering. Just don't even yeah. say anything. Yeah, right. and then there's no data for you to be the sure. bad guy. Right. Yeah. And who cares if you're the bad guy? I guess right. you stop you caring you about stop what caring. they think. Right. And, you know. Right. Um, don't, your self-esteem is not derived from this person. And also just not getting their approval because you're not going to get it. All they care about is themselves. Stay away. You may have to have physical boundaries in the sense that you block them on social media, yeah. you, you block their phone number, you have to get the law involved. Stay away and don't delude yourself in thinking that you can change them as well as the fact that um, you have to stay. You don't have to stay in these toxic relationships. You can cut them off even if it's your parents, even if it's your spouse. You know what fascinates me? I see this every once in a while on Facebook. Somebody will post, like somebody will unfriend somebody for maybe a reason that they don't agree. I'm guessing politically or mm-hmm. what's been going on with COVID or whatever. So you Again, it could be anything, but most of the time it's political, right? Sure, sure. And then they unfriend them. And then the other person might post, and again, I'm just guessing, but I, I mean, I would see this being the case. When somebody unfriends you, it's just because they don't want to know the truth. Why are you giving that? First of all, they can't, the person can't see your post, you know? And like, why do you care that they, unf- if somebody unfriends me? You have to detach. I, okay. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's, not, it's I, not an actual So you don't like me. Or... Good. I want to know the people who don't like me. So I can avoid them first. But if you want to call, you know, like me, think, okay, good, fine. Like, I don't, I don't want to bother you either, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also this loose term of friend, by the way. And a whole other thing is that Facebook and social media is a narcissist dream. Oh, <laughs> to yeah. just be all about you all the time. You know what? There's another show, Social Media, The Psychology of Social Media. Oh, and all the rules involved. <sighs> and exactly that. People perceiving they're not my friend. Well, were they really, really your friend? What's your definition of a friend? Yeah. I mean. That you say they like your post and you're a friend. I mean, is this if, if anybody watches Cobra Kai, there is a great. Oh, it's supposed to come out season four. Right, in, in December. December. Um, but yeah. there's a great line. I remember Johnny Lawrence when, oh gosh, what was her name? His second student, the one whose uh, father's in the NFL. Um, but she oh, gets teased yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's talking to her and he goes, So what do these people say to you? And they say, Oh, they, they just want me to kill myself because, you know, I'm overweight or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he's disgusted, but not for the reason why you would think he's disgusted because he's like, in my day, when you insulted somebody, you did it to their face. <laughs> there was honor in it. And there that's was. just it. Like all these, these, these cowards hide behind, behind their computers like, and they troll, they talk they crap. So they, they, all of a sudden they feel empowered. Oh and my gosh. They're um, keyboard warriors is what they are. Oh mean. yeah. Exactly. All right. Well. All right. So this is number 11. Thank you guys for tuning in to our show as we continue to grow. So thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Amazon, Apple. Yes, you can. Lots of podcast directories that I'm <laughs> I'm aware of. So email us if you have any questions, info at innerbalancepsychology.com. We're open to suggestions. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Thank you.